Come on. I was watching you during worship now. That's a little slow. It's not that early. This is the last service. You guys are supposed to be the livest, fired up, most radical, supernatural, spirit-filled, word-wielding warriors of the king. Is anybody in the house like that? All right. Come on. Man, it is great to see you before we dive in the Word this weekend. This let me tell you a couple things. It's been a huge weekend. We had a huge wild game supper. A lot of men got saved. Uh, this weekend, Saturday, Operation In As Much, just one of our teams, or actually two, one at North Knox and here, packed 75,000 meals for our orphans. It's the orphanages that we support and worked all over. So it was great. Let me also tell you, our series uh, tapped out. I continually am getting comments and emails and Facebooks. And, man, I think it was one of the most powerful things that we have ever done. And people have just said, hey, we're going to be we're gonna be biblical. I'm getting stories of people getting out of debt, people getting raises, people getting promotions, people setting a budget for the first time. And, and not only that, at this time last year, we were about $200,000 behind budget. Today, at the same time this year, $125,000 ahead of budget. So we're excited about that. Just thrilled about that, and, and you guys have done a great job. We're exciting. One other thing I want you to pray with us about, we have been approached by a church that actually we helped start about 11 years ago. They have two campuses, one in Clinton and one in Campbell County, La Follette. And they said, hey, we want to come back. We want to come back and be a part of Faith Promise Church. So we're meeting with them. And uh, one of our prayer goals this year was to identify where we, our next local campus was going to be and then our next international campus or our first international campus. And wouldn't you know, God would, looks like God's going to give us two. And so we're excited about that. Isn't that awesome, man? That is great. I am going to give you one last warning. We're starting the series, You Asked For It. It's the only series of people who said, hey, would you do that series again? Man, that was so good. We want to text in questions and all that kind of stuff. So we are starting with a PG-13 weekend. We're going to talk about sex. And so if you do not want to have some very awkward conversations with your kids on the way home, you may want to go check them in the children's ministry because we're going to say some things that you probably have never heard in church. You should have heard in church, but you may never have heard in church. So listen, if you're mad or you don't like what's said, I need you to send all your complaints to Josh Whitehead at faithpromise.org because I warned you, so it's coming. Now, so half the message is prepared, and half the message will be your questions. We've got a panel live at every campus. All the questions coming in from all the campuses, and, and people are answering them all over, and so it's awesome. Now, we all have questions about different things, don't we? We all have questions. And so the deal is, where does America go to get answers? You know the number one spot America goes to get answers now? Google. That's exactly right. Now, how many of us are believers? How many Christ followers in the house this weekend? Somebody, let me hear you. Somebody give out a shout. Well, listen. As Christ followers, should we be more concerned what God said than Google? Does that make sense? And so as we answer questions for four weekends, we are going to be answering them biblically. Because as Christ followers, and at Faith Promise, one of our values is God gets the last word. We believe the Bible from genuine leather, genuine leather, index, concordance in the maps. We believe it all the way through. And God gets the last word. 
And so that's how we're going to answer questions. And, and we're in prayer this morning with my prayer team for this service or for all our services. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. People hear the word every weekend, but they don't heed the word. And so their heart grows hard. People hear the word and you're about to. And some of you will not heed the word. And because of that, your heart will grow hard, hardened, and you will be less likely to hear God. And you will continue to justify things that God says is wrong. And you will grow farther apart from God. Does that make sense? Now, this is what people say a lot. They say, hey, pastor, man, we want it deeper. Give us deeper, 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 deeper. Let me tell you what deeper means. Deeper means teach me some things from the word of God that I don't know. And this is what people want. People want the concealed uh, will of God. Listen, why should God give you the concealed revelation of God when you haven't done the revealed will of God? Does that make sense? We want more stuff we're not going to obey. See, we want to conceal, but we don't want to do what's revealed. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of things over this month. But as believers, and we know there are non-believers in every campus, and we're thrilled that you're with us, but we, we our authority, our our guide is the Word of God, and that's where it comes out at. We don't care if it's politically correct or not. God wrote it. We didn't get an input, and so we obey God. And as believers, our passion should be to honor, obey, love, serve, worship, and follow hard after God. Would you all agree with that? So with that as a backdrop, let's talk about sex. And, uh, and some of you actually came. You know, some, hey, he's talking about sex. I'm coming. And, uh, and hoping you'll get some pointers. And so you might. So hang with me. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. First, let me say that God invented sex. Yay, God. I can get Pentecostal about right now. Run up and down the aisles and maybe speak in tongues. But God invented sex, and it is good. And, and amen. <laughs> Bless God. Hallelujah, brother. Man, if I, was, if I was out there, I'd be shouting right now. Get it, preacher. Whoa, come on, baby. Come on. And so, we're, so God made it for pleasure. God made it for procreation. God made it for intimacy, for closeness. There's a level of closeness that you can gain in sexual intercourse as a couple that you can't gain any other way. There are other ways to be intimate, but it's a way to develop intimacy. The scripture says in Genesis, and the two should become one flesh. And that one flesh, part of that is sexual intercourse. You become one. So God invented it. It's good. Done God's way. It's the best. Let me tell you, every sexual survey reveals this. You're not going to believe it, but I'm going to get it. The best sex is one man and one woman for life and no sex before marriage. I'm just telling you, God invented, he knows what's best. And so one, one man, one woman for life, no sex, first sex on the honeymoon. And I'm telling you, there, the intimacy is greater. There's a million reasons why, but God, you know, God just did it. So one man, one woman. Now, I want to say this. As in America, we are very close to legalizing gay marriage. But it doesn't matter what an earthly court says when a heavenly court has already spoken. Does that make sense? And so, and so even, if, even if the American court system, even if the, you know, the Supreme Court says gay marriage is okay, that is constitutional, it doesn't make it biblical. Because what God says matters most. Does that make sense? You say, but now, wait a minute, Pastor. Yeah, I believe that, and I believe God gave it. I believe all that, but I have needs. I have desires. I have things that I want. And, and, and what about what I want? Well, how many of your parents? Parents, you lift your hand. Oh, okay, good. Uh, w- listen, when your two-year-old says, Mom, I want to play in the street, do you say go right ahead? Because you have needs. 
Because the two-year-old's looking at that big, huge black playground with lines and big toys running up and down it, and they want to play in it. Do you let your two-year-old play in the, in the street? Is it because you're mean? Is it because you're a narrow-minded, homophobic, some type of Bible-thumping weirdo? Is it because you don't want your kid to have fun? Is that why you say no? No! You say no because your kid will get squashed by an F-250. And you want to protect your kid. That's why God gave us this Bible. He loves us. He wants to protect us. And when you operate outside the bounds of the Word and the will of God, you are going to get messed up. Amen? It's just the way that it works. Talk to the people who have AIDS and those that got it out of sexual encounters. Yeah, but I use a condom. Condoms don't stop AIDS. And so, but, 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 but I only did it once and I got it. Talk to those people. Ask them if that sexual encounter was worth it. Talk to the people in our congregation that have been unfaithful to their spouse. Had an adulterous affair. Was it exciting? Probably was. Was it fun? I bet it really was because the Bible says sin is fun. Did it devastate the marriage? You better believe it. Did it destroy some marriages? No question. Even those that made it, does it, did it devastate intimacy? Did it devastate trust? Did it devastate the marriage bed? Absolutely. Ask the singles in our church, and we have boatloads who hooked up this weekend. Went to Cotton Eye Joe's or Coyote Joe's or something Joe's somewhere. <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, went out, man, had a great time. Had a few drinks, hooked up, had sex. And now you feel guilty. Can I ask you a question? Was that orgasm worth your guilt this weekend? Was that, was that exciting few moments in bed with that person you just met at the bar? Was that worth disobeying God and dishonoring your body? Is he really going to say those things? It's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> Ask King David, his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, how that worked out for he and his kids. Act it. So now, do we believe the Bible? God gets the last word. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's see what God says about you and your body and sex. Because we live in a sex-saturated society, don't we? It's saturated. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 said, Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? When you got saved, you became one with Jesus? That uh, we are buried into baptism like his death, and as God has raised him up by the glory of the Father, so we too are, are raised up in the newness of life to walk with him? Do you not know your bodies are members of Christ? Or in verse 16, uh, I mean, uh, so then, verse 15, shall I take away the member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Should I take a body that's hooked up with Jesus and hook it up with somebody else that's not my spouse? Should I take it and hook it up with pornography and hook it up with masturbation? Should I hook it up with homosexuality? Should I hook it up with fornication? Should I hook my body up that's connected to Jesus up to somebody else that's not my wife? It goes on and says, may it never be. Or do you not know, verse 16, that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her, for it says the two should become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Put it in B for boogie. Are you with me? Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to sin sexually. Build some boundaries. Don't get in there. 
When I was in seminary, me and this guy worked together for a while. We'd be driving down the road. It was hot. Memphis, it was summer. And some girl would be walking down the sidewalk without it, hardly in clothes on. And we'd just go, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful grace. Why? Because the Bible says, Job said, I, will not, I made a covenant of my eyes and I will not look upon a maid. And so you make, you make boundaries. Flee. It says, man, flee immorality. Every other sin that the man commits is outside the body, but immorality is a sin against his own body. You're one with Jesus. And then it goes on, listen, let's nail the coffin shut. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? When you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in you, right? 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 And so the Holy Spirit is in us. Now my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own. When you were saved, you were bought by God. Lock, stock, and barrel, tax, title, and license. You are marked. You are sealed. You have been redeemed. You have been purchased. You are property of God. Amen? Amen? And so therefore, as property of God, as property of God, you have been bought uh, as property of God. You're not your own, verse 20, for you have, you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. God bought you, he owns you, therefore glorify God in your body. Are you with that? Does that make sense? Now that's the easy part. Let's flip over to 1 Thess- Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's nail this down. Let's just go ahead and nail it down. Finally then, brethren, we request and we exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive, that as you receive from us instruction how you ought to what? How you ought to walk. And how you ought to what? Please God. Just as you actually do walk, that you would excel still more. For you know the commandments that we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not my standards. This is God's standard. Are you with me? We didn't set these rules. God set the rules. For this is the will of God. People say, what's the will of God? I'm about to give it to you. Right here, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, your body, in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. So sanctification means to consecrate or to purify yourself. The root word of sanctification, we get the word holy from. Holy means set apart for God, right? Set apart for God use. Romans says God makes some vessel for common use and some vessels for honorable use. When you were saved, you then became a temple of the Holy Spirit, property of God, set apart for God's work, right? Right? You got that? So we are now God's property. We are to, we are to consecrate. We are to purify. We are to be set apart for God's work. And he says, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to abstain from sexual immorality. To abstain means to prevent are to hold back from. He said, Pastor, you don't understand, man. I want it so bad. I, I can't contain myself. I can't control myself. Well, that's not what the Bible says. God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there is no temptation that is overtaking you, but it's such as common man. We all experience it, don't we? Do we all experience temptation? Absolutely. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able but with the temptation will provide you a way of what? A way of escape. So listen, an alcoholic ought not hang out in the bar, should they? And so if you are single and you are dating, don't go where you can have sex. Group date, hang out. If you're, an adult, if you're a single adult and you're dating and you live alone, don't take your date to your house. Go to the Olive Garden. You're probably not going to have sex under the table. 
And so, man, stay, build, build, build barriers, build protection. I've got protection around me, so it's unbelievable. I mean, you will never see me in the car with a woman unless her last name is Stevens. And she's a blood relative. Even when I go out to dinner with my daughter, I'm wondering, do our faith promise people in there that do not know my daughter, Candace Faith, and think I'm with somebody else? I don't give women a ride. I'm not alone with women. I don't counsel women. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. Man, I have got more barriers. And you say, well, that's crazy. It might be crazy to you, but I want to be holy for him. And so, man, that is, that is just the deal. It says flee or abstain sexual immorality. The Greek word is pornea. Does that word sound familiar to you? Porn. It's where we get the word porn from. And it means explicit or immoral sexual activities. And see, we've all got these desires, and man, most of us, especially the men, struggle with lust. Is that right? Is that right? All right, one, one honest man. Come on, guys, I'm going to preach on lying. <laughs> Do we struggle with lust? And see, lust is a God-given desire going haywire. Now, we just finished sex week at UT. What we're teaching here is not what got taught on the UT campus. You do understand that, don't you? One of, the, one, of the, one of the classes you could take is how to have a good orgasm. Another class you could take this last week at UT was how to get laid. And there are some of the classes that I wouldn't even say in this room. Some of you are saying, well, I can't believe you said that. Well, listen, man, we're raw and real at Faith Promise. Amen? We don't pull punches and we don't play games. So it says, abstain immorality and honor God with your body. The word honor means this. It is what something is worth. What you believe something is worth. So we honor God. Why? Because we have great value in God. Would you agree with that? Would you agree? And it says, now we are to honor our body. We're to honor our body. So let me tell you something. You cheapen your body when you commit sexual immorality. You cheapen it. You dishonor your body. You dishonor God. Ladies, listen to me. Listen to me. You're worth waiting for. And if that pecker neck is not willing to wait, punt the chump to the street. Are you with me? Punt the chump to the street. Fourth and long, punt his butt to the curb. Because if he's trying to talk you into having sex and you're not married, how will he lead you spiritually when you get married? You say, but if I lose him, I won't have anybody. I'd rather want what I don't have than have what I don't want. Amen. Marry that loser and you'll have him for life. Man, you wait and ask God to bring you a godly guy that's not pushing you and problem you and trying to get you to have sex. And I'm going to tell you, ladies, you're worth more than a one-night stand and a notch on somebody's condom package. Did he? Dear God, did he? <laughs> yeah. He did. Because Lucifer is loose in, in our America, and he's winning the culture war because the church is mute while the devil's screaming on every corner. Are you with me? So we need to talk about what matters. Don't move in with him. Listen, this, this is unbelievable. The bulk of the couples that go to this church and come to us and say, we want to get married in church, and we want the pastor to marry us. One of the first questions we ask, are you having sex and living together? And, over, and, and the large majority of couples are shacking up. Crap! <laughs> What's wrong with you folks? I mean, if I'm shacking up and I went to the pastor, I'm pretty sure I'd lie. <laughs> if you'll fornicate, you'll lie. Wouldn't you? 
We don't even know what's wrong anymore. Now, you come, you come to the church to get married. You want one of the pastors to marry you because you want, to, you want God's blessing, right? Isn't that right? So then why would you start out from a bed of fornication? Put it in your pants. Zip your zipper up and wait till you get married in Jesus' name and the sex will be better. Come on. God. Some of you are saying, I'm never coming back. That would be an error. Because you know what? Most churches will law people to sleep and Satan will eat them and their kids alive. Are you with me? Sex is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful for intimacy. It's beautiful when the two become one. It is a gift from God, but Lucifer has taken the gift of sex and he is destroying people with it. Lives and marriages and cities and nations and families. He's killing people with it. Because we've now, we've now grasped the world's view of it and we have rejected God's view. Amen. Band, if you guys would come on back up. And, and uh, if the team would come back up, we're going we're gonna to let our panel come up. We're going to change the panel every week. And you guys come on up. And we're going to answer some questions because I can see it's, you're, you're already, looks like you've been drinking from a water hydrant. Is it all right? Y'all okay? Give the Lord praise. Would you come on? You guys welcome Michael and Holly, our high school pastors at the Pellissippi campus. Hello. And my lovely, wonderful wife, Michelle, who this weekend we've been made 29 years to the glory of God. Thank you, Father. Amen. And if you're wondering, you know, I mean, I was a whoremonger before I got saved. You're thinking, man, 29 years, one person, it gets better all the time. Are you with me? Amen. Michelle, give us a question. Okay. Pastor, what is your view on pornography? Michael Wallace, come on down. <laughs> Michael, what is your view on pornography? Well, it's, a, it's wrong. I would start with that. Uh, <laughs> you asked for it. Um, uh, and, and this goes back to a question we've gotten before, and I mean, you guys can expound on it, but it, especially within the context of marriage, there's, there's questions of what, what is okay, uh, what, what are the boundaries, what are the, where, are the, where do you put the ropes for us to be inside that it's okay within our marriage sexually? Um, I'd say that when it comes to pornography, that's something that follows right along with Matthew chapter 5, verses 27, 28, when Jesus was talking. Um, he said, you've heard, it, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Um, but what I'm saying is not just don't commit adultery, but don't look at a woman lustfully in your heart. And it's, I think it's very impossible to be involved in pornography without stepping over that line. So I'd say absolutely not. And I think even within the context of marriage, there'd be a response of no as well. Yeah, still, so it's, you know, I don't know many things that cheapen women more than pornography does. And the bulk of pornography is men looking at women, and it creates a fantasy world. It creates, you know, it creates an, a, a sexual desires and fantasy that are not real. And so porn will mess you up 12 ways to Sunday. And so, man, just, yeah, punt it. In any way, man, just punt that stuff. Michelle? Let's just go ahead and get this um, question out of the way since we talked about that. Um, one question is, is masturbation okay with foreplay for my, with my spouse? Or, and then there's several questions about masturbation. Well, yeah. Tell me about it. What do you think? Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm asking. The, I'm, I'm reading the questions. I know. I know. And I'm <laughs> it's bad enough to say the word. You know. wouldn't have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and inquiring minds want to know. So would you pontificate for us there, okay. Pastor's wife? Well, let me. Uh, 
link that together with another question that will come up eventually, and that is, what is okay in, in, the, in the bedroom between a husband and a wife? And um, it is uh, what we believe is that if both parties are consensual and it doesn't hurt the other one, then everything is fair game in the bedroom um, when you're married. So, um, in relating to the masturbation and the foreplay, I'll just kind of link it with that one and let that go right on by. Um, and then masturbation and, and the other sense of the word is when you are viewing porn or just, in, um, and I'll just talk about some of the, the books that are out there, ladies, that um, lead your mind down a road that is uh, fantasizing about somebody else or even a fictitious character. Um, that is when it becomes wrong because you open your heart and your mind up for the enemy to put thoughts in there that are not of your husband or your wife. And it takes you down a, just a, a road where it gives the enemy access to your heart, your thoughts. Good. Give us another one. I'm afraid. Holly's waiting over there. <laughs> I'm very afraid. Get a hard one. We're going right to Holly. because. You know. Okay, so, you know, if, if anything goes in the... The bedroom for a married couple, then as young adult next-gen pastors, what is okay? How far is too far for some of the teenagers in the audience? Oh, go ahead. Okay, thanks. <laughs> You're just here to cheer me on, right? Yeah, okay, that's, job, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> how far is too far? This is a question I get, I get a lot in dealing with, with high school students. Um, it applies to anybody who's not married. How far is too far? Most people ask this question. They want to know where the line is. Uh, for usually two different reasons. One, I want to know how close I can get to the line without actually sinning. How sin-y can I be without actually sinning? And that's a dangerous question to ask because much to the reason that, that Jesus gives us in Matthew 5, it's not so much what you do as much why you do it. And if you're asking that question because you want to get as close to sinning as you can, you're, you're heading in the wrong direction. But if you're setting up a boundary, you say, how, close, how far is too far because I don't want to go there. I want to, I want to chase after purity. That's, the, that's a great way to to define that, and it really comes down to boundaries. And one thing that I, I tell students, I see several students in the room right now, and I hope that I make them uncomfortable, and you uncomfortable with this, this answer. Uh, how far is too far? If you're in a dating relationship, no matter how old you are, I think this even gets worse as you get older, the, the visual I'm about to give you. Uh, don't do anything in private with your other person uh, that you wouldn't want to see your parents do in public. Come on, that's it, good right there. In. That's good. Don't do anything in, in private. So if you're, it's just you and the other person, don't do anything in private that you wouldn't be, wouldn't you be comfortable seeing your parents do in public. Or well, you'll stay holy. Yeah, you'll stay holy if you do that. Trust me. And, <laughs> wow. But back to the, one of the things, that, it, it was a, a phrase that came out of the last time we did you ask for it, what's okay in the bedroom. And we said this, no pets, no porn, and no other people. And everything else, have at it. Michelle? Okay. On that note. <laughs> because the scripture that the church bases their gay theology on is in the Old Testament, in the books of the law, since Jesus came to fulfill the law and we are no longer have to abide by them, doesn't that mean that it is under the blood too? No, because homosexuality is not a Old Testament. You look at Romans chapter 1. You look at 1 Thessalonians, you look at 1 Corinthians, there's probably 15 to 20 different admonitions in the New Testament about homosexual uh, activity. It is, it's wrong in the old, it's wrong in the new. 
Uh, God didn't change his mind. And again, it doesn't matter what we do. We are legislating against God now. And go to Romans 1 and find out what happens when we choose the creature over the creator and we choose to go against the laws of God. And so it's, uh, it is, now I tell gay people, lesbians and homosexuals uh, that I do with the same thing that I tell a heterosexual couple that's not married, don't do it. Just be celibate. Just be celibate. And uh, so no matter what your, your desire, your flavor is, if you're not married to a man, to a, a man and a woman are not married, just remain sexually pure. That's the scripture. Know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and in honor. And there's several questions kind of along that line is um, if gay marriage is wrong based on scripture, what about, and then there's, you know, what about gluttony? What about tattoos and piercings? What about these lying? What about these other sins? And it's, there's been several different questions. And, and the, we are a come as you are church at Faith Promise Church. And we have committed um, before God that we will love whatever walks through those doors. And, you know, God is, is, is a loving God and he did, you know, he died for our sins. And it's not up to us to judge, but it is up to us to depart truth. So we will always be, say what God's word says about things, but that doesn't mean we won't love and accept you as a person for who you are, but just, you know, understand that we will never go against God's word um, as far as whatever, you know, um, whatever that sin might be. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that, we would not say that someone gets a piercing or a tattoo, that's a sin. It's, uh, we, uh, we, don't, we don't believe that. What's the, the question that, uh, Holly... The question about the couple had the kids. Do you know where that is? We talked about last service. Remember, Michelle? The 10, you know, if you've been married 10 plus yeah. years and you've uh, a married couple 10 plus years, you have young kids, you both work full time, husband wants sex all the time and any time, wife not so much, how do you come to a happy medium? Uh, and, and that's a great question. And so, Holly, you have two kids. Why don't you help us with that? <laughs> Three and five. Sex is, a, is an expression of intimacy. If there's no intimacy, then it's less likely that both parties are going to want sex. So the more focused you are on creating intimacy, which comes with honesty, uh, it comes with spending time together. Uh, you know, I, I heard the illustration that when, when you're facing each other, that's when you get intimacy. And if you, you start backing away, you get shoulder to shoulder. You're working with hard jobs. You've got kids that are pulling your attention. You're having to work side by side. And, and you're not facing each other. It's hard to experience intimacy. So you have to really fight to keep facing each other, and you have to fight to get that intimacy. And the more intimacy is there, the more those other things are going to happen. And uh, the more intimate you are with, with your spouse, the, 
you really desire to sacrifice for them and you really desire to want what's best for them and not what's best for you. And, I, and that comes down to kind of the root of this is if, if, you're, if you're married and you've got a, a wife or you've got a husband, do you want what's best for them? And if you're constantly wanting and acting on what's best for them, then you will receive what's best for you. That's just part of, mm-hmm. part of intimacy. I love what Holly said <clears throat> the last service. Having date night is cheaper than getting a divorce. Way cheaper. And so, <clears throat> guys, if you want sex, do the dishes. Take the kids out where your wife can have a long bubble bath and chill out because she's been 10 hours chasing your heathen <laughs> all day, your progeny, your offspring. And, uh, and see, the more selfless you are, the better sex is which is really what Michael was talking about. If you're thinking about the other person. And listen, guys, if you wait till 11 o'clock at night, you've been watching TV for four hours, and she's been running, cooking dinner, doing the dishes, putting the kids to bed, running, and then you look at her with a twinkle in your eyes, you better hope masturbation's okay. Uh, okay Actually, just, I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Somebody <clears throat> asked for that. If it's, a married couple did that come out? Could you cut? Could you? Then you got to cut his mic. <laughs> Edit that tape there, Larry. Uh, if a married couple are separated by a distance, is phone sex okay? Well, could you explain that to me? What is? Because is would that be sexting? Sexting, or you know, I guess you could actually say words and stuff over the phone. Send pictures. I don't know. <laughs> I would say absolutely. If I'm if I've been gone on a mystery for a week and Michelle's been gone, man, we're not home and the, the phone's already. We're talking. You know, we're. Well, if the truth be known, my poor daughter um, inherited one of my phones, and uh, she unfortunately found an old text message. Yeah, she was she's scarred for life. She is scarred she for is. life. Yeah, she. She I said. I just it. thought I'd say that before she. Uh, yeah. I've been she trying said, to avoid Dad, eye contact. She said, Dad, I read that and I wanted to stab myself in the eye with a sharp stick. I'll never, <laughs> ever be the same. Okay. What else? Okay. Help us, Jesus. Yes. Okay, what if you have past experiences and can't help but lust for your boyfriend or girlfriend? Say that again. You're married or you're not married? Well, this sounds like a teenager. But what if you've had past, well, it couldn't be a teenager, but I, I mean, it could be somebody else. What if you have had past experiences and can't help but lust for your boyfriend or girlfriend? Well, and that is, that's a reason to stay pure. Because once you've been to the candy jar, you want to go back to the candy jar. And if you've never been to the candy jar and you just think it's good, it's, it's not as hard as if you've been there and you know it's good. And so uh, the Bible says to take every thought captive unto Christ. Part of our warfare, see, sin starts here before it hits your body. The battlefield truly is the mind. And so keep your mind pure uh, about sexual things and, and just take that thought captive. You can't help that a bird lands on your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. And so... If I've been divorced and remarried, am I committing adultery? Michael, pastor? I feel like that's a senior pastor kind of question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that. Um, if I've been divorced and remarried, am I committing adultery? Uh, according to scripture, 
you know, that would be, yes, the case. Jesus talks in, on the Sermon on the Mount about um, if you're divorced outside of uh, infidelity, uh, then anything that happens after that is, would be considered adultery. Um, but what, what sticks out to me is, am I, are we asking the question, am I committing adultery? Because if you, if you say, well, then I'm going to leave that relationship for my previous relationship, well, that's, that's going to leave even more and more carnage. The question is not what's, what's happened in the past. The question is more, okay, let's, let's, let's identify it for what it is. Let's ask for forgiveness. Let's, let's move forward. I, we've, several of the questions that we've gotten are all about, you know, things in my past, things in my past, and they keep creeping up on me, or I just drag them around with me. I've got this scarlet letter that I just carry with me everywhere, and it becomes part of my identity, and how do I get rid of that? And I think the bigger, bigger uh, avenue of that is living in the Spirit. You know, in Romans 8, Paul talks about living according to the flesh versus living according to the Spirit. Um, he says that we, we don't live according to the flesh because we are, we are in the realm of the Spirit. And if you have a relationship with God, then the Holy Spirit defines who you are. Your past doesn't define who you are. And there's, there's forgiveness and there's grace that you can, we can move forward. We can, we can look forward to the future that God has for us without letting the past stuff uh, just drag us wherever Satan wants us to be. Yeah, so if you are divorced and remarried, you are not living in adultery. God forgives a divorce just like any other thing. Some, sometimes divorce, one's a victim and the other is doing it. But as you move forward, God forgives all sin. Amen? All sin. And so many people are, feel guilty and feel shame. One of the last questions said, if I'm not convicted about it, if I don't feel conviction, is it still wrong? It is if the Bible says it is. We don't care what the culture says it is. It is if the word. Hey, these guys do a good job. Give me a hand, would you? So when we talk about sex, some of you just get, you feel so washed with guilt because of things you have done. Some of you feel washed with shame because of things that were done to you. Maybe you were sexually abused. Maybe you were passed around, you know, whatever. Listen, if you are born again, you are forgiven. Are you, are you with me? You are forgiven. You, have, you don't walk in guilt or shame. We walk in victory. That's why Jesus used to know the truth, and the truth shall set you what? Free. Fully free, fully forgiven, fully adopted. So what we're going to do now is in just a second, the band's, the band's coming back, and we're going to worship. We still have plenty of time. And we have the Lord's Supper set up all around the room. Now, while people are taking the Lord's Supper, I'm going to ask the pastors if you guys will come on down. Uh, if you guys will come on down. And, hey, do me a favor this time. I want you to sit, Chuck. You guys sit on the stage so people can find you because the room will be sort of chaotic while people are taking the Lord's Supper. If you're, maybe you're not saved, or maybe, man, you want somebody to pray with you to break a stronghold. Or, or what would it be if everybody that we decided we're going to walk in sexual purity, we were going to repent? Because the Bible says if you're going against the will of God, repent and go be will of God. So they're going to be guys and gals who love to pray with you during this Lord's Supper. We're going to worship. Hey, let's just, man, let's just, today is a brand new day. Yesterday really did it in last night. Amen? I don't care if you hooked up last night. Decide from now on, I'm going to walk in purity. Don't walk in guilt and shame. Jesus paid for that. Decide, if, hey, if you're shacking up, decide we're going to get married or we're going to separate until we do get married. If you're, whatever situation you're in that's contrary to the word, decide today, I'm going to get out of that. Amen? And you say, but it'll hurt and whatever. God knows best. Amen? So, Spirit of God, we give you free reign to move in. Bring about conviction. Bring about conversion. Bring about change and bring about challenge. And, God, we, as we take the Lord's Supper, we remember the body and the blood of Jesus. 
thank you that you died for us. Thank you that we are full, free and fully forgiven. So Lord God, would you give us these next 10 minutes, would you give us a Holy Ghost moment like we've never experienced. Lord, clear out the guilt, clear out the shame, and let us walk in purity. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand.